Well, good afternoon again. I told Andrew, I said, I've got to have some of Kirby's coffee so I can make it through the sermon today without falling asleep. Now, my daughter would have laughed because she would have said that could happen. I used to uh, try to teach my children, and uh, when you work hard, you got eight hours of work, hour each way, and a lot of other things. Um, it got difficult. <laughs> anyway, last time I spoke, I talked on, uh, I gave three points, and one of those was focus on, on God or focus on the way God does things. And you do that primarily by studying the scriptures and going through them because there's so much in there for all of us to learn how to be like God and to do things the way God does them. So I thought I would add to that a little bit. You know, I, I titled this sermon Righteousness Through Reconciliation. So we are basically reconciled to the Father. Actually, God, the Father, reconciles us to him through Jesus Christ. So we are reconciled to the Father through faith or justification and obedience. And we do that by walking with God. So the first point I put down was faith, but I covered faith a little bit last time. But I want to also extend that on out to that's point one, two, faith, justification, and walking with God. In Amos 3, 3, it tells us, how can two people, I'm paraphrasing, how can two people, how can anybody walk with somebody else? In, in a family, husband and wife, they only can walk together if they agree. And so Amos 3, verse 3 says, can two walk together unless you agree? Well, that's very important. If we're going to walk with God and be justified to God, we've got to agree with Him. And sometimes we have a difficulty with that. You know, Daryl pointed out, uh, Jeremiah seventeen nine, the heart, the human being, a human as we are, our mind, our attitude is wickedness. Because we're selfish and self-righteous and we just want to do things our way and we just have a hard time working together. That's why I thought and I've had the opportunity to see several of my children get married. And I thought the change ought to be when you get married, it's a partnership. It's not two individuals. Those two, as God said, when... A man should leave his father and mother. That means leave them and marry his wife and those two become a new family. But it is a partnership. And in any partnership to succeed, you have to agree. You have to talk it out. And, of course, in any partnership, one has to make the final decision. But you have to talk those things out. 
So if we're going to be partners with Christ and be in the God family, we have to be reconciled back to God. So I put down reconcile or uh, justification. We get justified for our actions through God. Romans chapter 5 verse 1 tells us, Therefore, being justified by God or reconciled to God, we have peace with God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So, here God is telling us we get reconciled to Him because He paid the price. That price is what reconciled us to God. Turn to James chapter 2. The book of James chapter 2 where we're going to see where we're justified by faith. So it's more than just uh, who we are. It's the faith that we trust God, the faith of Christ and what Christ put into it. So James chapter 2, verse 23. And the scripture was fulfilled, which said, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed to him for righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. So, Abraham was told to do something, and he did it. And he did it because he believed God. He trusted that God said, I'm going to give you uh, tens of thousands, millions of people. And yet, 90 years old, and he didn't even have anybody. Remember, he said to God, how can these be? And I don't even have a, an heir. And the heir of my family is a hired servant. But Abraham believed God. And so when he was a hundred, he had a child. He had a child before that, but it wasn't a child by Sarah, his wife. So he believed God. And because of his belief, because he did what he did, he was called the friend of God. Verse 24, you see then how that works a man, by works a man is justified and not by faith only. So Abraham had not only faith and belief in God, but he did something. When he was told to sacrifice his son, what did he do? He took his son out. They went to where God pointed it. He put him up on a, he made his son carry the wood, just like Christ had to carry the stake that he was crucified on. So, um, Isaac carried his sacrificial wood and laid him up on there. And he was as good as dead because Abraham trusted, believed God, but he also worked at it, didn't he? He put his, put his body where his mouth was. So many times I hear people say, trust me, but they don't always put their actions with what they say. But Abraham did, and because of that, he was justified. Verse 25 also shows the fact that Rahab, the harlot, it says, likewise, was not Rahab, the harlot, justified by works? when she received the messengers and sent them away by another way? 
She believed God. She had heard what had happened in Egypt. She heard about them crossing the Red Sea. She heard of the of the wars that went on and how Israel was was ahead of everybody. So she believed that God was God. That there is one God and He was in charge. In First Thessalonians, First Thessalonians four. I, I didn't have this down, so I've got to. We're going to read First Thessalonians four. First Thessalonians four one. Furthermore, then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus Christ, that as you have received of us how you ought to walk and to please God, so it, so you would abound more and more. So we are to walk with God. Paul's telling us there in Thessalonians that we should please God. If we're going to be a part of the God family, we better find out how it is to please God because it's important to do that. So we want to walk with God. We want to be justified or reconciled to God. And we can only do that if we find out how to please Him. But what did God do? What did God do for us? In John 3.16, a scripture that probably memorized by most people. They think they hear it, they go over it. Even in in most churches, they memorize this scripture. John 3, verse 16, For God so loved the world. So here God is saying, I love, this, I love humanity. Because I love humanity that He gave His only begotten Son that whoso believed in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So it's believing God and and believing in Christ. And then we're offered everlasting life if those things, if we do those things. For God sent not Christ into the world to condemn it, although it probably needed to be condemned. We know that prior to Noah's flood, God condemned the world. He hadn't sent His Son. And so the world that was before Noah died and perished. And He started it all new again. But that the, that the world through Him, Jesus Christ, might be saved. So God used Jesus Christ's sacrifice to reconcile us to Him. It was very important in being able to walk with God. We have to be reconciled to God. Galatians 2 and verse 16. Galatians 2 and verse 16. Here Paul speaking again. Knowing that a man is not justified by works of the law. So it's important to understand People in the Christian life think if they keep the law of God, they're 
They're okay. They're justified. And yet Christ told the scribes and Pharisees because they kept the law, probably better than any of us ever have. But he said to them, I'll have nothing more to do with you until I come in my glory. So you can keep the law. It's probably very good down to the very finite letter. But it doesn't mean you will be justified to God. But by faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ. So our justification then is because of Christ's faith. Because Christ believed God and he gave up eternity. He became a human being, walked this earth, and then believed God. Remember that night before they crucified him, he cried out and told God, if it was possible, that the cup taken away. But he said, nevertheless, not my will, but yours. So Christ trusted God. He had that faith. And so through that faith and what he did, we are reconciled to God. And not by works of the law, but by the works of, for uh, by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. So, here in Galatians, Paul said, we can really do it really as good as the scribes and Pharisees, but it doesn't mean, even though we do all that, it doesn't mean that we will be reconciled back to God. So I, I, my study and going through this, I put down justification is the beginning of reconciling, reconciling to God. So we can, if we're reconciled to God, we can walk with God. We can walk with Christ. It's hard. It's a difficulty to to be with Christ because we don't agree with Him on everything. But God sacrificed Christ. For that purpose. The second point I put down of reconciling to God was by obeying. So not just hearing it, not just having faith, but obedience. Just like Abraham, he had faith, he believed God, but he put his life behind what he believed. So obeying is uh, doing the things the way God wants. So again, I look back. I said in that first sermon, we have to focus on God. Focusing on God will help us to find how to obey God, how to do it God's way. You know, as a parent, what we want from our children is to obey us, don't we? We ask them to do things. I had eight children. I asked my children to obey me. I commanded them most of the time to obey me. If they didn't, they got punished. But overall, as I look back on uh, a long life with my, my family, that my children were pretty obedient. Not now. So I ask myself, am I as obedient to Christ as the way I expected my children to be obedient to me? And what about us as adults? 
Were we obedient to our parents? Is a parent we want our children to be obedient? But our, how were we to our parents? So it all gets down to the fact that if we want our children to be obedient, then we must figure out how to obey Christ. If I want to be reconciled to the Father and walk with Him, I have to be obedient when He tells us to do something. And we hear these things in sermons. Um, right now, for, in this little group, it's now 23 years. And are we, are we obeying the things that are said? Sometimes it's pretty hard. You know, we've heard that, you know, drinking uh, sodas, sugars, uh, are bad for your life, for your body. Maybe they come across hard sometimes, but the overall fact is that God wants you to, to take care of your body because you are the temple of God. So if you're not taking care of your body, how are you taking care of the temple of God? We want God to live in us. We want to be able to do things God's way. We want to be reconciled to God. But how do we treat the temple? How do we treat our children? How do we treat our parents? So we want to, we want to do things the way God wants us to do. Turn to Hebrews chapter 5. Christ shows us through studying the Scriptures, you know, focusing on the way God wants it done, Christ showed us how to be obedient. Because He was obedient. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7, talking of Christ, who in the days of His flesh, you know, He gave up eternity, He walked here on earth in the flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and with tears. He suffered a lot in his life, more than sometimes we even give it a lot of thought. If we think Christ was the Son of God, we think Christ was the, the instructor, we see, his, we see people talk of Christ, but he did a lot of suffering. He really put up a lot with tears, with crying, unto him that was able to save him from death. He cried to God. Remember I said just a little bit ago, before he went to be beaten, before he was tied and nailed, nailed to a stake, uh, what did he do? He obeyed God, but he cried, and he, he feared God, or he trusted God. He didn't want to die no more than what we do. Although we know that, you know, as a kid I always thought, never want to die, you know. I can't. But here I am, 86, and now I see, you know, it's inevitable. I can't get by with it. I would like to be those that help build the temple. I would like to be there when the trumpet is sound and hear that trumpet and see those rise from the dead and then be also raised and meet Christ in the sky. I certainly don't want to be one standing there and watching you raised and me not because the problem then is pretty desperate. So anyway, Christ 
feared God, trusted God. He trusted everything that God sent him to do. Verse 8, though he were a son, yet he learned, uh, he, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. So he went through things. He learned to obey God because he wanted to be reconciled to his father. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that not listen to him, that hear him, no, that obey him. He, he made it possible for us to be a part of the God family. But we have to obey him. So when we hear sermons, I do believe that some of the most, all the sermons that I have heard here are God-inspired, just like Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel and David and Daniel and Moses. You know, these are inspirational. God is inspiring these things. Do I obey them? That's what's important. But I'm a human and Sometimes it just doesn't seem like I want to do that. It doesn't seem right. And sometimes it seems like maybe in the sermon I'm being picked on. But I know God. And I know that he's inspired the things that are said for my benefit. For my benefit. That I can be a part of his family. We have... That's what we have to do. We have to be able and willing to obey God through the sermons. And they're there just to teach us the right way to live. Um, so, scriptures are expounded. And sometimes, and I've heard this in the past, well, that's just his opinion. Um, I read the same scriptures, and I don't see it being his opinion. I see it being something that God, because I look at the sermons for help. I look at the sermons to show me not only how to have faith from those that live that way, the whole chapter of Hebrews 11, shows what these individuals did, shows their faith and their works. So, I have to learn there are things that I don't know and I have to learn. Acts 13. Acts 13. I want to do it God's way. And so, if I'm listening, if I'm hearing a sermon and my thoughts are, oh, that's good for those people, or that's good for the ladies, or that's good for the children, then I'm not getting the message. God's talking to me when I listen to a sermon because there are things that I need to change. I need to do. So here in Acts 13, Paul, uh, Peter speaking, Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man, Jesus Christ, is true. Though this man is preached unto you forgiveness of sin, and by him all that believe are justified from all things from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. Again, Peter explaining the fact. 
He explained to these people, just because you know the law, just because you do the law, you're not going to be justified. You're not going to be reconciled to God. It takes a lot more. John chapter 5, verse 24. Truly, truly, I say to you, he that hears my words and believes on him that sent me has everlasting life and shall not come unto condemnation, but is passed from death to life. Believing. If you truly believe, remember what I said in that first sermon, you, um, you have to really put your heart and effort into what you believe. You can't be a hearer only. You have to be, you have to put this into your whole life all the time. So you have to obey, or by obeying, we are reconciled to God. We have to obey. We have to do something. We have to be our heart into doing it if we're going to be reconciled to God. So, I'm going to go to Matthew 18. This is a, a parable that probably all of us know to a degree. So, I believe that almost the whole chapter of 18, I was going to go through that, but um, I'm not going to go through the whole chapter. I'm just going to pick out a couple of points in it. This is a, a point where we most of the time get it wrong. Here in Matthew 18, 15 through 17, is a parable or a teaching or something that we should obey and live by. Here's verse 15. Moreover, if your brother shall trespass against you, how often does that happen? Somebody says something to you and it offends you. Somebody does something to you and it hurts your feelings. Or somebody does something to you and you think they're taking advantage of you. So here it says, if your brother trespasses, sins against you, it tells you what to do. It says, go to him, do something. Go to him between you and him alone. And if he hears you, you gain the brother. You know, there's another scripture it says there in Matthew, if you have a brother with a fault against you, before you come to the Father to offer a prayer, to offer a sacrifice, you reconcile to that brother, that sister, your friends. Because he doesn't want to hear you. He doesn't want you to come to him if you're not willing to walk together because he doesn't want to walk to you. You know, the other scripture that tells us what are the two great commandments? One, love God with all your heart and all your mind and all your body. Everything you do is to love God. What's the second one? Love your neighbor as yourself. He wants you to be recognized, reconciled to your family. 
And that's what's happening here in verse 15. So you've got a problem with each other. Go to that person and try to reconcile that problem. Try to, try to walk together. It's going to be hard. But God's already told you, I don't want to hear you. If you don't want to try, if you don't want to try to make the reconciliation, I don't want to hear you. I don't want to do it. So we are to, to try to reconcile our lives with each other. We've got to walk together, remember? That's one of the first things we're told to do. If we're going to walk with Christ, we have to hold hands. If we're going to walk with each other, we've got to hold hands. We've got to be willing to forgive, do something about it. God, I looked and I told Daryl this last night, I, I looked back at Adam and Eve. They sinned, didn't they? What did God do? Yeah, we say God jumped all over them. But what did God do? He came to them first and said to them, You said you're naked? Well, how did that happen? Why do you say you're naked? Did you eat of the tree? Now, had Adam said, I'm sorry, Dad, I want to change that. You're right, and you forgive me. Not what he did. What did Adam do? It was the woman. You created a woman. God started out trying to reconcile with them. They did not want to be reconciled with. They did not want to be reconciled with. God wants us to try to walk together. So what did God do? Let's go on here in verse 16. Because we didn't focus, or Adam and Eve didn't focus, but they were very young. They didn't have it. It's like a little child, you know. Something about children. The first part of this whole chapter 18 talks about children. You know one thing about children? I watch these little ones we have here. We've got three little, four little ones. I watch them get heads a little bit. Five minutes later, where are they loving each other? It's just a child does that. They forgive and they reconcile back to each other. As parents and as adults, sometimes we just carry them on our shoulders too long. We're not willing to forgive that. Verse 16. But if he will not hear, so he didn't want to reconcile with you. Just didn't want to do it. Then it gives us another command. Take with you two or three, not people that are on your side, just two people, two witnesses. And they're not to be the ones speaking. They're not going to say, yeah, this is my friend and you did him wrong. No, take people that are willing to hear you try to reconcile your life. So they're not to be your closest buddy buddies. They're to be people who have a little bit of wisdom, a little bit of understanding, and a lot of love. And you take them with you. That the mouth of two witnesses, when they brought up later, by the two witnesses that you really tried to reconcile. 
So you have people that are wise enough, loving enough to sit there and understand what's happening. And if he shall neglect to hear him, so the two witnesses can hear both sides of the story and say, you know, Moses was told by his father-in-law to get captains of thousands, captains of five hundreds, captains of hundreds, captains of fifties, captains of tens, and to start with the small matters and work them up. So you have to have people that can hear, that can make wise judgments. So here it says, if he shall not, if he shall neglect to hear them, then tell it to the church. Now you have to bring it to the next level or the top level to, to negotiate and try to reconcile the differences. And in them, and unto them, if he doesn't hear the church then, it's like going through the appellate court and then going through the Supreme Court. If he won't hear them, then the judgment becomes final become final. So, this whole scenario here is talking about becoming brothers, walking together, and reconciling our lives together. That's the whole point of this. And you can't reconcile. You've got to start out by going to God first. That's why He told us earlier in the Scriptures, if you can't reconcile so you go to God first. If you can't reconcile, God says, I don't want to hear you. I don't want to talk to you. So we got to reconcile ourselves and then reconcile ourselves to God. The second piece that I want to bring up is still in the same chapter. And this is down in verse 23. So we're down to 23. Now we're talking a parable, a story that relates back to God and the kingdom of God. Verse 23, Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, here Christ, which would take account of his servants. It's coming to that point. In our lives, it's doing it today. He's coming to us today. Account of who we are. What do we have done? Are we changing? Are we repenting? And when he had began to reckon, trying to satisfy the differences, one was brought to him which owed him 10,000 talents. A person with a lot of debt. A murderer. A, a, a really high-ranking adulterer, meaning doesn't have any bounds or a thief who steals everything he can put his hands on. So here's a person with a lot of debt. But for as much as he had not, not to pay, had no way to pay that debt. You and I cannot pay for the sins or the, the everything that we do in our life. We can't, we can't pay for that. We could kill a cow or a goat or some other animal, but that doesn't reconcile us to God. 
because we're still guilty. So we couldn't have or did not have any way to pay it. So the head said, commanded the man to be sold. Not only the man, but his wife and his children. And all that he had to pay the debt. What it's telling us is, as it says in Romans, the wages of sin is death. So as long as we sin, it's death. And there is no other life. It's the end of life. That's what Paul said there. So he couldn't pay it. And so the payment was required of him. The servant, therefore, you and me, as people, the servant, therefore, fell down on his and worshipped the man. We'll worship God. So we repent of what we did, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will repay. So we repent. I will try. I'm going to work as hard as I possibly can to change. Then the Lord, here Christ, of the servant, was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. When we repent, really, truly repent, what happens? We become reconciled to God. We are now walking with God. What if we're like earlier? The person did not want to reconcile. He wouldn't reconcile with witnesses. And finally, he had to pay the ultimate price. Verse 28. But the same servant, you and me, we have friends. It goes back up to that verse 15 here. It goes back to verse 15. But that servant found one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence. Very small in comparison to what we owe God. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that you owe. So, here we, if we're the one there in 18, somebody's done us wrong, and we don't want to reconcile, we just go, we want the reconciliation to be done by the death or the thrown into jail or whatever of our friends. not the way it works. And his fellows, the other servants, those in the church, um, oh, this fellow that, that you take him to court and you're going to beat to death or whatever possible, your fellow fell down at your feet and besought you saying, have patience with me and I'll repay you. Same thing. No difference. We go to Christ and say, forgive me, but are we willing to have our friends come to us and say, forgive us? How do we handle that? And he would not. Are we like this person? We would not accept an apology. We would not be willing to forgive a minor tragedy when God's forgiving us. 
of all the sin we do. But went and cast him into prison that he paid the debt. So when the, his fellows, the rest of the folks, saw what he'd done, they certainly thought they were sorry and came and told the Lord what all had been done. And the Lord, after he'd heard, called him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you. I gave you all the death. I forgave you from eternal death and gave you the chance to eternal life. But you wouldn't do it. You wouldn't forgive. How do you expect me to forgive you when you can't forgive a brother, sister, a fellow human being? So we see that the final end of that case is he's put in prison or killed or whatever it costs. So what do we do? Verse 35, So likewise shall your heavenly Father all do also unto you if you from your heart forgive not every one of your brothers of their trespass. So it goes back to verse 15. We have to analyze verse 15 with what God says. So our life and what happens to us depends on what we do and how we respond. You want to be reconciled. In Romans chapter 5, the last scripture, Romans chapter 5, verse 6. Romans chapter 5, verse 6. The end result of is reconciliation. It's, it's trying to hold hands with God, with Christ, and with our brothers and sisters, our children, our grandchildren, our parents. Verse 6, For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. That's humanity. Not just for you or me, but for all humanity. God allowed Christ to pay the penalty which reconciles humanity to God. Puts us on the same platform. It's not whether we reconcile God to us. No. It is God reconciles us to Him. For scarcely for a righteous man would one die. And we've seen that in the past, in the military, in other cases. Preadventure for good men, some would even dare to die. But God commanded his love toward us. God the Father showed his love, his mercy. Remember in Psalm 136, the whole psalm, the whole chapter says, God's mercy endures forever. We're no close, nowhere close to that. Nowhere close. So God commanded his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, and still are, Christ died for us. This is when God 
reconciles us to him by allowing Christ to give up eternity, to come and live as a flesh and blood human being, and never sin, fight it. For the 30-some years that he was alive, he, he fought sinning and walked with God. Much more than being now justified by the blood of Christ, we shall be saved from the wrath of God, which is coming pretty soon. For if when we were enemies, and that's what God calls us if we sin against him, we are his enemies. We were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. So it takes to reconcile, it takes faith, being justified by God, by walking with God, who's doing something, and by listening to what God tells us. Inspired sermons, inspired scripture, tells us that we not only believe God, but we do something to it. Just like Abraham. It wasn't Abraham's faith. It was his faith and his works. And in James we're told the same thing. You show me your faith without works. And I'll show you my faith with my works. So he's saying, I have to have faith I have to be justified by faith, and I also have to be obedient. So, you have a, a lot to, to work for. We still have a few more songs that God's got some more to tell us. So, anyway, trust God, walk with God, and you do that by holding God's hands.